My name is Natalia. I'm one of the pastors here at E. And um, if this is our first time meeting, I'd love to share with you that I have had the enormous privilege of serving on staff here for the last five years as your kids ministry assistant. And um, I'm grateful for this opportunity in this season to transition into the role of assistant pastor and to get to continue to serve and learn and grow with you. And I just want to thank you, church, for being an amazing community to grow in and an incredible family. And I think that's a big part of why so many of us are here. It's to have a place for our kids to grow in faith and community and for us to grow closer to Jesus and closer to each other. Well, so last year, I uh, finished school at Life Pacific University, and a few weeks later, I got to speak in our online service, Um, and I'm grateful to be here with you again, and I get to speak on a very interesting part of the Bible, one that I feel is a little underrated. So as Carlos mentioned last week, the part of the Sermon of the Mount that we're looking at right now outlines how to give, how to pray, and how to fast. And today, we're going to consider Jesus' words and directions on how to pray. Okay, so really, why does prayer matter? Well, for one, of course, it's how we talk to God. It's sometimes the first thing we do when we're curious about God. It's what we do when we're scared, confused, hurt, or feel helpless. When we pray, we're seeking something, answers, healing, peace. Although prayer is such a basic and core piece of our religion and our connection with the Lord, I have come to realize that we don't talk about the details of how to pray very much, why we do it, when we do it, how to do it. And I know those things might sound simple, but I'd love to look at what Jesus has to say about how to pray. A couple of weeks ago in Anne's message, she asked a question that I hate to admit came a little too close to home for me. And asked, have you ever told someone that you have been praying for them and then just completely forgot? Didn't get to it? I mean, have we ever been there? We've commented on someone's post and we're like, I'm praying for you. And I, you know, we have really good intentions and most of the time we do it, I hope. But we've all been there, right? So if praying is not that hard, why do we do things like tell people we're praying for them and then not do it? I think there's a lot about prayer that we never really stop to unpack, but perhaps we should. And I want to share with you why prayer has become especially important to me in the last few years of my life. A little over a year ago, one of my beloved brothers passed away really suddenly, traumatically, and unexpectedly. When I got the call a little after 5 o'clock in the morning, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I was in shock. And I was panicking. It couldn't be real. This couldn't be happening. I mean, really? How? So as Brayden and I, my husband and I, rushed to get up and get ready and go join my family, I prayed. And throughout that awful day, I prayed. And I actually wrote down some of those prayers and my thoughts and my shock. And I have to be honest with you, until preparing this message over the last few weeks... I hadn't really been ready to go back and read them. They were hard. Here's one of my prayers from the day after my brother passed away. Jesus, deliver me from despair. Deliver me. Fix this. I am desperate to feel comfort, peace. 
anything other than this numbness, shock, and pain. Just a few days ago, Jeremy and I were texting about how to properly install a headlight on my car, and he laughed at me because I didn't do it right. I didn't plug it in, and I just couldn't understand why it wasn't working. We were planning a trip to the Wonderland Nickel Arcade as a fun little sibling throwback. And now, he'll never get to meet our kids. He'll never hug me, pick me up so tight and squeeze me that I can hardly breathe. He wasn't perfect, but he loved deeply. He loved me. I don't understand, God. My heart does not understand. Could I have done anything to prevent this? What was the last thing I said to him? God, why did this happen? Prayer reveals something about what's going on in our hearts. Have you ever needed God so badly? Cried out for him, for his help, for for the deepest cry of your heart? Have you ever felt so alone and so broken that you just wish there was someone to come and pick up the pieces and help put you back together again? Prayer is one powerful and personal way of talking with and connecting with the Father. So how do we do it? How do we pray? In the Sermon on the Mount, as we know, Jesus addresses this. He not only teaches with directives and parables as he does in many other places of the Bible, but here he actually gives us an example, a format of how we can pray. And this prayer has become known as the Our Father. Many of you probably know it. So when I think of the Sermon on the Mount, I think of a WikiHow article, a WikiHow. You know, those articles that you uh, find when you Google something mundane or random, like how to get rid of hiccups, like I did the other night when I had hiccups for four hours trying to go to bed. We thought it was funny, and then it just became a nuisance. (laughs) So if we were to WikiHow search how to pray, the message that we are looking at today would be one of the first recommended resources of what to look at, of course. So in each week in this series, we have been looking at how Jesus in this sermon, this message he gives, is poking and tearing holes in religion. He stood up as he was sharing and tore apart, completely tore apart, what his listeners thought they understood. Kind of like we were singing this morning, break down the walls of all my religion. Beginning with the story of Adam and Eve and Abraham and all these people we know at the beginning of the story of the Bible— to where Jesus is speaking today, almost 1,700 years has passed, or perhaps more. And in that time, many people with good intentions, trying to get this religion thing right, did a lot of things wrong, as you can imagine. Some of these people, called Pharisees, you're probably familiar with these guys, got a lot of religion pretty twisted. They had a right and wrong way for everything, and those ways weren't necessarily in alignment with what God had been teaching. So in the message Jesus is giving, he clears up a lot of confusion, particularly regarding prayer. Something helpful to know about me is I'm a really habitual, routine-oriented person. Do I have any of those people out there? We, we just love the routine. It makes us feel good and anchored. Well, I recently had a mentor recommend that I take a different route home from work every day in order to increase my flexibility. Good advice, right? Or to try ordering something new every time I go to a restaurant. 
And when she said that, I have to admit my skin kind of crawled. No, thank you. I know exactly how to order the perfect salad taco bowl at Chipotle, and I am not about to mess that up. It's taking me some time to perfect this. Mm -mm. Okay, so I'm a habitual person. We know this now, and I'm learning how to mix things up. I'm learning how to increase my flexibility. And I hate to admit it, but I admit to the, I, I, I um, relate to the Pharisees, to the people who are obsessed with the traditions and the legality that was accumulated by the Christians before them. And of course, Christians and Pharisees were not the only people praying during Jesus' time. Many people, people prayed to God's little g, right? They had hopeful, heartfelt prayers that would never get answered. Some of these prayers' rituals included some interesting things like sacrifice and sex and a variety of things that they hoped would gain the God's attention. And in the midst of this extreme confusion and diverse approaches to prayer, Jesus stops and teaches us how to pray. Let's look at what he said in Matthew 6, 5 through 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, referring to the Pharisees among others, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, the churches, and on the street corners, and to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. This is going to sound familiar to a lot of you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, well here's Jesus' big idea. He wants us to pray for real. Pray for the real you, for the real others, and to the real God. There are three pieces of information from what Jesus tells us in this prayer that I would love to unpack with you today. Well, firstly, in verse 6, Jesus tells us to close the door. And I think he quite literally meant close the door. Yes, go into a place where you can turn off all of the things crowding your brain and your consciousness. Put down the phone, turn off the TV, the podcast, the radio, whatever it is that keeps you company. Close the door to distraction whether it's a physical door or a mental door, a door of all of the things that are competing for your attention. There are a lot of things competing for our attention, aren't there? A lot of things, a lot of notifications, a lot of kids poking us and asking for things. Okay, so just you and Jesus. How often do we really do this? Okay, I have to admit, I know that I stand before you as a 20-something I don't have kids. I don't have nearly as many distractions or perhaps responsibilities that you are facing. But I know that you can do this. And I do know that God wants you to do this. So for those of us who thrive on routine, this may look like getting up a little bit early before the kids are awake or in the evening when the world feels quiet. The day that my brother passed away, 
contain so many details, distractions, waves of emotion, and responsibilities. There were people coming and going and messages from loved ones. And the only thing that made the buzz stop for a moment was to close the door, to go into another room, close my eyes, and just set it in the presence of the Lord. The idea of closing the door when we pray does lead us to another question. Why do we pray? I mean, of course we pray to reach out to God for help, direction, support, guidance, all of those things. But let's take a moment to consider some of the other motivators of praying. Do we pray because it's what we want our kids, our family, our spouses, our coworkers, the people around us to see us doing? Maybe we avoid praying because we actually don't want the people around us to see us pray. Maybe we don't know how they're going to react. So why do we pray? In verses 7 through 8, Jesus turns his attention to the nature of our prayers, the content. He says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. So what Jesus is saying here is be real with your prayers. You don't have to be fancy or long-winded or have eloquent prayers and theological words. Pray for what's weighing on your heart. Personal prayer matters. Let's just be real. When I was 15 years old, I interned here at Evergreen. Our pastors here were gracious enough to invite me to staff meetings while I was on a summer break from school, and so I nervously accepted and I joined them. And as you can imagine, we pray a lot. We, we pray for the church, we pray for the community, we pray for you, and we, we ask the Lord to lead us with wisdom in his heart. And at that st- first staff meeting that I joined, I somehow didn't really um, realize that we would be praying. Like, yes, you would think it would be implied, you would think I would have realized it, but I, I didn't. <laughs> so as we sat around the conference table as a team and we prayed for the week ahead, I began to feel my heart beat really fast and I could feel myself getting hot and my cheeks getting flushed and red and I was getting nervous and excited and so I did it. I prayed and everything, you guys, everything came out wrong. It came out like a jumbled, wordy, awkward, 15-year-old hot mess. I mean, what's new? Um, Even after years of interning, though, of serving in Bible school, I have to tell you, my prayers are still not tied with a pretty bow. And I like things that I create or communicate to be beautiful and tidy. Any of you relate to that? We like to to look like we're put together, yeah? Okay, so my prayers still don't meet that criteria, and I'm learning to be okay with that. But really, all God asks of us is for our prayers to be real, honest, and personal. The next part, this middle part of Jesus' message today, we've now learned, is called the Our Father. And in it, Jesus gives us an example of how to pray. Now, I do have to admit the wording in the Our Father, I don't know if you noticed, it feels fancy to me. But it might be helpful to know that the writing and the way that Jesus actually prayed it in the time was very common, easy-to-understand language of the time. So every sentence had a purpose, giving us ideas of how to pray and what to pray for. We could spend a lot of time dissecting the main thing, all the things in the prayer 
But I want to look at um, just some of our, some of the big focus points of it. Thank you, guys. I am learning how to speak with this thing. It's, it's funny. <laughs> so, okay, here's what Jesus says about how to pray a real prayer. Firstly, we need to recognize and acknowledge who God is and who we are praying to. He says, our Father in heaven. We get to realize what God is capable of because of who he is. Jesus prays, holy is your name. We get to invite God to guide us, and we need to be willing to follow his lead, his plan. He prays, your kingdom come, your will be done. We need to believe that God can actually do the things that we're praying for. Jesus prays, give us this day our daily bread. This prayer is hard for me. I want to know that I have a fully secure future. Any of you guys feel that way? <laughs> you like to know that things that we plan, they're going to happen. I don't like that feeling of ambiguity or uncertainty. Here, though, Jesus teaches us to pray for just what we need today, just what lies ahead. And then he prays to forgive, forgive ourselves, forgive others. And this stands out to me because the voice of shame, that voice that we get in our mind or in our heart, it, it makes us think that we are the source of trouble and that we're alone to resolve it. But that's not true. We get to ask God to forgive us and we get to take a moment and ask God to help us forgive others and choose to forgive others and allow it to free our hearts. And we, we need to do that. The last thing we see in this Our Father is that God will protect us. Jesus prays, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We get to trust in his protection for today and for tomorrow. For one reason or another, many of us have probably found ourselves praying a similar prayer in this season. Something like, God, deliver me from this mess. Have you been there? You feel that? So, okay, here's a summary of what we can pray about. Everything. We can pray about everything, the big things and the small things. Finally, Jesus ends his prayer with one last reminder. Forgive. Wait, didn't we just read that, like, in the Our Father? Like, it's noted in the prayer above to ask for forgiveness and to forgive others. So why is Jesus talking about it again? Well, apparently, I think Jesus thought forgiveness to be an important enough topic to remind us again. And when I imagine Jesus delivering the message to his listeners, the Sermon on the Mount, his listeners are nodding their heads and just in admiration and agreement, and they're listening intently, and they're like, yes, Jesus, I can pray that. I can do that. It's a good way to feel. And then Jesus finishes that prayer, and we think, period, done, amen, we're good, this is how you pray. But he stops. I imagine him clearing his throat, and then he points back at that part of the prayer, and he goes... Don't forget it. Don't forget to forgive. All the other parts of this prayer are doable and uh, delightful, but forgiveness can require some work and consistency on our part. And I think Jesus knew that. I think he knew that. So he ends his prayer by saying, For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins... Your father will not forgive your sins. <sighs> okay, Jesus. All right. I don't think you could be any more clear. I get it. This forgiveness thing is important. Note taken. So here's that big idea. 
Jesus wants us to pray for real, for the real you, for the real others, and to the real God. Brayden and I have been married for three and a half years, and along the way, I've had this feeling like we were just slightly out of sync, like something uh, was just kind of missing. No matter what we did to spend time together and to connect, something always felt slightly off. And I couldn't figure out why, why I had this sensation of it being out of reach, this connection. And of course, like any other couple, we have arguments or discussions as I like to call them. And, and of course, we have a few, we've had a few all-out all blow-ups, and I'm sure those won't be our last either. But it felt like when we had those situations, those moments, those arguments, that I could never quite regain the ground lost, the connection lost in those arguments. And about a year ago, we started, started something called the Marriage Journal. And each week, we sit down for about 30 minutes, doesn't take super long, and we do this journal together. And what this journal coaches us to do is we sit down, we look at our next week's schedules together, we put them in together, and then we talk about it. We found that's a helpful thing. Sometimes we put them in and we just like assume that it's going to be enough. Sometimes we got to talk about those things. And then the journal asks six questions, or rather we ask each other these six questions and we write, write down the responses. Here are the questions. What brought you joy this week? What was something that was hard this week? What's one specific thing I can do for you this week? How can I pray for you this week? Is there anything that's been left unspoken or unsaid that we need to talk about and then resolve? And finally, what is a dream, craving, or desire that's been on the forefront of your mind this week? At the end of this time together, as we answer these questions, we pray. No matter what kind of junk we stirred up in the marriage meeting and we had to muck through, Prayer just kind of seals our time together, and it brings us closer to God. And after a while, I have to tell you, I realized that that slightly out-of-sync feeling had finally disappeared. Imagine what could happen if we pray like this, like Jesus prayed. If we forgave like this, if we really made it a priority. If we stopped worrying what others think about how we pray, and we just did it. We stopped when we saw someone hurting or a loved one or someone we didn't know. We said, hey, what's going on? How can I pray for you? Or when we have that feeling like something's not right or that feeling like we just want to escape this discomfort, what if we stopped and we prayed about it and we prayed for what's really on our mind? How could this shape our lives or even better, how could this shape our kids' lives, our grandkids' lives? What if our friends who don't know Jesus yet actually got to see us pray this way? I think it would help them to realize that talking to God is like talking to a friend. It's not scary. There's no expectation. And they learn that just because they heard us pray that way. Jesus loves and hears all of our prayers. Our God is personal, and he hears our prayer. I feel like I have to repeat that to myself. He really does hear our prayers. So let's close the door. Let's pray the real prayers, and let's invite God to soften our hearts and learn to forgive.